Hey everybody, and welcome to The Mandalorian, brought to you by Star Wars Minute. It's the weekly podcast in which we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate The Mandalorian one chapter at a time. <laughs> I'm Alex Robinson from ComicBookAlex.com. I'm Pete the Retailer from StarWarsMinute.com. I'm Dan Telfer from NerdPokerPod.com. Welcome, Dan, our first guest. On the Mandalorian. Well, you know, I heard my name get mentioned in the first episode and was like, what if I guilted you into letting me on immediately? <laughs> yeah, we summoned <laughs> and you. you know what? It worked. Yeah. <laughs> Manifested. There you go. Yeah, and there's only, since there's only going to be uh, eight episodes per per season, it's a very, uh, it's a very exclusive uh, guest appearance. So. Uh, I'm proud. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Uh, we are talking. Uh, high demand, low supply. And I gotta say, I think you're doing it the right way. This is a good way to do the Star Wars shows. Just do limited run podcasts. You know, there's so much you guys gotta slog through for the movies in just slow motion, not necessarily a reference to quality with the word slog. (laughs) Yeah, I'm impressed that we're actually managed to get these things in like at an hour and a half instead of uh, 13 hours or whatever it would be if we did it a minute at a time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, we're talking about chapter three of The Mandalorian, uh, The Sin. Uh, here's a, a quick recap. Uh, Boba Fett brings Baby Yoda back to, uh, Warner Herzog. Warner Herzog pays him in Beskar, which he then uses to form, to forge, uh, more armor. And, uh, he's about to head out to do another bounty to get a Mon Calamari when he changes his mind and goes back to reclaim Baby Yoda. Which he now does, killing a lot of people, and then he flees the planet <laughs> mm-hmm. with a lot of presumably a lot of bounty hunters are going to be on his tail. And that's it. That's it. Good night, cool. everybody. Thanks, Thanks for, for having coming. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to jump in first, and uh, this is the kind of the first time that we hear. Um, I think this is the first time in kind of in continuity that we hear. We, we I feel like fans have, have used the word Mando a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall it ever being in a thing. And, uh, that's uh, the first episode he called him Mando. I, but you <laughs> know what? I, I heard you guys call him Mando and I thought maybe it's because one of you heard him get called Mando. And then in this episode, it gets said by Carl Weathers, maybe a thousand times. Yeah. So like it mm-hmm. stuck out to me and it made me make the assumption that what Alex just said is true, that I just missed it when it got kind of subtly thrown in there. But yeah, Carl Weathers getting super jaunty from like that little holographic message down to when they meet in the bar, right? Like he's like, "Hey, Mando, Mando, Mando!" Like just super excited to be a part of this bounty. <laughs> well, he he's uh, grief, right? That's grief, Karga. He um, mm-hmm, strikes yes. me as uh, being the kind of guy who's very much, you know, uh, um, likes to be on the winning team with this kind of a thing. So like he's, you know, as soon as he found out that uh, the titular Mandalorian had the, the had, you know, accomplished the task, he was all like, Hey, my buddy, my pal, look at this guy, you know, um, the Mando. Yeah. It's kind of like Jimbo. I think Mando is the space Jimbo. <laughs> well, and it's gotta be kind uh, of an unpleasant nickname because it's a reference to his home, like race. So yeah, a little bit. You gotta, so you gotta think that, some. He's saying it affectionately, but um, not to get too ahead of myself, when he flashes the uh, Besker armor metal 
like brick in his pocket that's also got to be kind of insulting and i think they're really yeah. trying to in this episode uh set up some real irony with with grief like about about how he doesn't really understand the mandalorian yeah oh yeah so i, I didn't i well, wasn't yeah, even th- thinking about how it is kind of like a uh like a race or belief the nickname which is not uh it's not not as cool well not I, cool grief not cool I I really feel like uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but um, even though we're recording this right after <laughs> the episode <laughs> debuted Friday morning, um, Twitter already has like Deborah Chow trending for directing this episode, and I found oh, yeah. so many subtle things in this episode that I was just like, "Wow, this one is amazing! <laughs> this is really cool!" And I think the the grief stuff, like I do think that's deliberate. I really think that they that you know with uh with john favreau's writing and her directing they they were like yeah let's make this guy look a little more like a scumbag this episode right see here's a uh, uh, uh let me frame the show with this at the top but i i didn't know you know you don't know until the end i guess who who worked on it uh-huh. um so yeah, i, I wasn't either. predisposed but i this was my least of favorite of the three so far really yeah and it's oh, not, weird. I'm like, oh, like, woman doesn't understand. I'm like, I, you know, I don't. Well, no one thought that. No. Uh, I, well, I don't want it to come out of it because there's a, there's a, you know, people will be saying that. And I, don't I bet wanna... I know why you're going to believe this, but uh, I don't want to put, you know, my own, uh, my own guesses in your head. I really, this is, I, I really, I don't know if I have a favorite yet. I think they're all just really kind of knocking it out of the park in general they've set a pretty even line of awesomeness for me yeah yeah i'm, I'm not saying i hated this one and you know i i really yeah. enjoyed it still but i it didn't have the same kind of highs that the other two had for me so far really and I, based on my my early morning uh checking twitter it does seem like i am in the minority which is great but i'm glad you're everybody not enjoyed a morning it. person <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hadn't had my coffee yet maybe that's it i'll have a have a sip of coffee, have some Jawa juice, and go back and watch it again and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, have some suka. <laughs> suka. I was suka. also... Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I was also... Uh, I will admit, I was also disappointed in this episode. Ah, you nerds! <laughs> well, here's, here's what, here was my disappointment in it, uh, is that uh, I, I really into the world building, and we don't see anything in this episode that we haven't seen... Oh, right. harsh disagreement with that. Yeah, I, I will. I will disagree and say that there's world building in the in the ways that I don't like in the, oh. in the fantasy way, which I'm sure that's part of why you liked it, Dan. There's there's good. Yeah, I'm fantasy, fantasy boy over here. here. Yeah, and I, again, I'm not saying that that makes it bad. I'm just saying that's why it, it, I don't I, like yeah. it as much as other ones. The the dialogue has been. It's not for you. The dialogue's <laughs> been really um, sparse for the whole show. Right. And, um, you get the most world building here from that, that scene in the armory where the rest of the Mandalorians come talking about like what happened to them. And that's dialogue and it might feel a little exposition, but I, I dug the way it was delivered <laughs> a little, I think there's <laughs> look, look, first of all, I will fight you outside. Second of all, <laughs> I, I thought I thought the voice acting was good. I liked the the helmet acting on this show, and I thought that they pulled it off. And the the music that builds up right before that is ridiculously fun. So I was just like tonally, I thought it was good. Didn't didn't mind if it reminded me 
that yes, it was dialogue heavy exposition because I felt like they built up to it and they earned it. So I felt like the arc of these three episodes earned, you know, like one of these guys just sort of, you know, getting pissed uh, at him and using their culture as a discussion point. So like, I, I felt like the way this guy was talking didn't sound wooden. It sounded like he was, you know, bringing up them being chased into the shadows and, and like bringing up the, the cut of the Imperial logo on their Besker as like a, is like, are you seriously not paying attention to this thing right in front of you kind of thing? So even if it felt like he was getting very exposition-y, it was because he was accusing this character of not seeing it, you know? And so staging-wise, it worked for me. And, and, you know, the, the stuff that this show is emulating, westerns, samurai movies, uh, Shakespeare in a way because of all the just like brutal confrontations and uh, lamenting of 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 loss and stuff. I I really thought like okay, well I'll take a Shakespearean monologue from the big beefy Mandalorian dude who I by the way <laughs> love very much. Um, so like you know I, I I as somebody who has often been turned off by fantasy novels and video games where they start getting too into those like 12 syllable fantasy cities where you can't remember what they're called. And like the, it gets really easy to get lost. I empathize. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It, it was cool for me. Yeah. And that exactly. I, I, I know that this is totally other people's bag, which is great, but for me, it, it doesn't, work that way and i do yeah it is you know because he is making a point of reminding him it, that the part that it was kind right. of stilted didn't bother me as much well should we should we step through chronologically i don't i don't want to derail a good conversation. i think we should i i i yeah yeah let's get into the beginning well so so there's but, a lot he says mando like three times in the hologram yeah in, in an awkward speaking of awkward delivery there's that great kind of like um awkward phone call stances you know he, he's called he's got kind of arms on his hips like he doesn't so jaunty body. and he's just kind of like hey there you know it's your old jaunty pal grief yeah your jaunty pal grief my my face is writ with sorrow and so is my first name but i'm so happy to see you because of the money you're making me buddy <laughs> Do we know the name of the city that the the, the Werner Herzog town is called? Just so we can. That's a great question. The... I don't know. I you don't know, believe I, so. And uh. if I may tie this into something you guys have talked about the last two episodes, I think this show is being very deliberately ambiguous about the cities and planets that you're landing on, and I think you're supposed to wonder every time. But uh, I think John Favreau is making a very deliberate choice to make you wonder and to and to not be overbearing you know like you like you were just we were just having a whole deconstruction of whether exposition was weighing this episode down i think he's trying not to weigh you down by making you think about all that stuff like like what like oh is this tattooing with the jawas and so i think he's trying to be like yeah this is a random city oh pardon my french um this is a random city and you you're you don't really know i bet there's a chance it's somewhere online but i wouldn't be surprised if they try to never tell you well i was trying to look it up to see what 
Look, I see characters. Well, it's funny you brought up the you brought up the Jawas because that's what I was going to bring up. Is that this is now, assuming this is not Tatooine, that this is there again. third planet now. We've we've seen Jawas on, so they mm-hmm. are apparently very common. I, in the, uh, well, in the galaxy, I I would not be surprised if what Favreau was going for when he wrote them in was these are like a couple of planets, maybe closer to the empire than Tatooine, but near ish Tatooine. And he's just trying to give you like a regional vibe. Yeah. It's hmm. currently it's listed as unidentified world. Yeah. I hope it stays that way. I love that. And look, oh, that's the name of it, it right? Unidentified ha. world. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, it's right. In, you have to go past, uh, Tomorrowland, And then there's a little footbridge. Ancient explorers um, very quickly regretted using unidentified <laughs> world as the official name as they discovered a third and fourth world. This is this uh, this is actually what led to the uh, the edit function on the Planet Discovery app. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I think that's on purpose, you guys. I don't think you're yeah. gonna get like an episode eight where they're like, "It was Tatooine all along." <laughs> um, the so uh, on this, I love awkward awkward phone call stance, um, which actually uh, coincidental that you're here, Dan, because it reminded me the uh, the very first time that you were on Star Wars Minute, we did a um, you know it was remote. We did like a Google Hangout or something, and we hadn't we couldn't figure out how to turn off the the video thing. We were just doing audio, and since there were two of us, we had to each sit on either side of the camera, and you just spent you know a whole week's worth of episodes staring at a wall yep i remember so, that uh, staring at a wall <laughs> i remember that 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 was uh i that was when i was still i lived in a condo in evanston illinois that's how long ago that was you guys wow all right Jeez. i think so right that was like 2012 or something um could be sounds it might have been my right? it might have been when i lived in la i don't remember i don't know because we, we didn't look at the camera, we we just uh, yeah. You how would you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then he's walking around, um, and uh, after the phone call, he's walking around on on planet with the Yoda, the, with Yodel, the baby Yoda. Um, Can I just say I love how angry everyone gets on the internet about um, calling it Baby Yoda? Oh yeah. I've oh, seen that nothing is but positive, yeah. Baby Yoda. Oh no, but I know what you're talking. No, people... You're talking about the technicality of it not actually being Yoda being something that they're like it's not Yoda. Yoda right. Yoda died five if years you, ago in the in Return of the Jedi. If you need that speech delivered to you, you are either not a part of a conversation where you care, or you are so dumb it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, so now I purposely keep calling it Baby Yoda just I to approve. antagonize I approve. the people who, who get so mad And I know you, you guys it. have been calling him Yodel. I've been calling him Yo-Yo. Right. Yeah, well, Yodel is predicated on it being the offspring of Yoda and Yaddle. So if if not, if there's a different partner uh, involved in, uh, in some aspect of this, then we might have to change it up. But uh, Oh, I guarantee we'll never find out. <laughs> Well, uh, I keep I kept meaning to bring this up the last last week too because I forgot to bring it up in the first week or I didn't know it at the time. But uh, you guys might have heard this already. But for the, just to read it into the record, uh, that Doctor Pershing guy, you know the sunglasses guy mm-hmm. who who wants the baby, he has a patch on his arm which matches uh, the Camino symbol. 
Oh. The symbol of the Kaminoans. So there's a lot of speculation that this could be a clone of a Yoda oh. or even a clone of Yoda or presumably Yoda. Um, I'm... <laughs> I'm going to say it is, there's a solid chance it's a clone of Yoda, but also it's 50 years old, so that's, like, pretty close to good timing. Um, and uh, it's like, they, I think what they were doing was trying to gather its genetic material for, or, or midichlorians, so that's not a bad just concept in general to tie in, you know, like, maybe they wanted to, you know, like, maybe maybe this, <laughs> the, the place my head went, when I saw that they had him hooked up to machines was, and we're jumping ahead again a little bit, but um, we, we only have so much time. Uh, <laughs> and now that you have a third wheel in this episode, it's going to slow you way the hell down. Yeah. Like I thought maybe it was going to be, they're collecting as midi chlorians because that race of creatures is just likely to be force sensitive and they don't have like a high population. So they're just a rare creature that was hunted down by the, you know, purge. Yeah. Yeah, we're not um we're not sure. <laughs> That's the thing. It's 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 neat to have something to um, you know, again with the with the new seasons that we've been doing of Star Wars, you know, with the the as of this recording, the uh the saga un, you know, unfinished and with these new episodes kind of, you know, open-ended, it's fun to have Star Wars to speculate about versus yeah, as mm-hmm. as much as the as much as we enjoyed some of the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we did during the prequel seasons that, that has a, you know, has a finite end point. And even with, you know, with Rogue One and, and um, Solo down the road, like they have these kind of, you know, well, we know we know that these things happen. And this this is, a you know, while it does take place beforehand, it's it's so far not involving things that we know um, directly. So it is fun to have it kind of open ended like that. And I thought that. Yeah, the yo-yo puppet acting was very cute in the market yeah. when they're going up to meet the Imperials. Like I thought, like the uh, the the puppet like looking around at all the crazy stuff was like like ooh, like it was. They were really trying to sell how cute it was, and then um, when it gets carted away to like the doctor's office and the door slams yeah. behind it, it's the way it's looking at Mando and cooing is is. I think deliberately manipulative and I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely playing that up. Um quite and it and it does, you know, very much and and possibly intentionally, you know, very much uh, kind of evocative of of uh, Gizmo. You know, cuz that that oh, yeah. connection, that that was a good, you know. They did a good job of uh oh wait a minute, there's a connection. Gizmo was voiced by Howie Mandel, a Mandalorian. Boom. Whoa! Oh, we should do a t- t-shirt of that. <laughs> if we did yeah. do a t-shirt of that, we should put it on StarWarsMinute.com slash merch. <clears throat> and it should be available now. Um, Come on, Alex. Hustle it. The, um, yeah, I also wanted to, uh, before we get inside, before we get to the, the well, all right. So I have two, two points here. One is unimportant. It just said old-fashioned astronaut suits, which is awesome to see. Yeah, you know, I love the one that the little person's wearing the the whatever that uh, whatever that outfit was. That was a yeah absolute a plus Star Wars spacesuit. Yeah, total like throwback to that style of of uh, crowd. Mm-hmm. But also, um, here's why I think it's not a clone of Yoda. 
Um, Which I also think, by the way. (laughs) Yoda's eyes are kind of green, and the uh, Yodel's eyes are kind of brown. You don't think their eyes can change oh, like color a cat. the same way? You know, because a lot of we're babies. Don't don't human babies' eyes change colors? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I know. I know. I, so. know um, I know. Like uh, because I volunteered a cat shelter, not to brag, that mm-hmm. kittens will have like blue eyes that will change when they're a few months old. Hmm. I think that's. I think a lot of babies too are born with blue eyes that eventually. Yeah, can change that wouldn't color. surprise me. I'm double checking. Yaddle's eyes also seem to be kind of green, so it seems to be an unusual trait for a um, a Yoda species. Well, and when in doubt, right? Like whatever the most ridiculous plot element is, even in Star Wars, it's almost impossible to predict. So it's fun to try, but it's like it's probably just a a Yoda rather right. than the Yoda, right? Um, although did. <laughs> According to, the, according to the internet, human babies are usually born with blue eyes. Those mostly change within the first three years to other colors. Hmm. So I wonder if it's Yoda's. The first first 75 years, <laughs> they can change color. Yeah. Uh, well, going back, to, going back to gremlins again, I think when they're... they're I, here's another connection that I drew, is when, um, when they, he does bring it in and they're examining it, um, it very much reminded me of... Uh, uh, Christopher Lee examining the gremlins in Gremlins 2. And so there's you, you got a Dooku connection. Dooku 2. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and then uh, so and then we have uh, another... See, this is the... I think it's, it's going to be a tough thing to walk the line of what's um, you know... Was purely fan service, and what's like? Is it just fan service because it's at my level or what? But the um, the the debut of the Wilbur Hood brand ice cream maker. Oh yes, well, and I'm the Camtono. You yeah, mean. well that I yeah I I, I think read, that was awesome. I yeah awesome in a, and and the fact that Favreau kind of posted it on Instagram a while back. Um, yes, he was like, check this out, like a picture of the prop, knowing that people would. You know, so he know. Not only does he know about it, he knows the people are into. You know, he's aware of this whole thing, and I think excited well, on the yeah. same levels that we are. You guys pointed out that he had that um, th- that Mando has the same sort of spear uh, disintegration gun that he had it, that Boba Fett had in the holiday special. I really think Favreau is paying attention to like what would oh, be yeah. cool to include, and uh, not not to neg on you, Alex. I think the concept of like negative fan service is uh i almost said an naughty word is uh nonsense <laughs> <laughs> like i think i think it's it's an idea wait why do i get single well i think on, star-, Alex. star wars <laughs> S- star wars uh yeah that should have been pete um but like <laughs> the, the uh, star wars is like a nexus for that right like of like oh you included this little nugget of a visual nod that's a cynical ploy to to get my attention i mean what are if you're consuming this already you're a sucker so like (laughs) like it i think the idea that it's negative is silly this is this this can be done poorly and clumsily and uh it can be done in place of actual storytelling but in a show like this where they're really really stretching out the storytelling and trying to like take their time i really don't think the cynicism is warranted you know like I, i really think that they're they they include stuff like that because it's cool and i know for a fact 
have, having seen John Favreau talk about how much he cares about this, it's done for the cool factor, not for the like twelve right. nerds on Reddit will will start a thread. It's 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 really it's <laughs> it's meant to be like this is we're we're mining the cool visual elements from Star Wars that will make it feel authentic and that you can hang your daydreaming on you know like and if that's cynical to you it's like well then why are you watching this <laughs> well no, i i good question i think it's a good uh you know i i again it's it's walking the line between you know when it's i love little nods like that um but when it i i don't like it when kind of things when it's too focused on that when it's basically like everything stops so we can look at the you know the um yeah and i i i completely see what you're saying i guess i guess i guess what my my beef always is because i'm a total just cheerleader enthusiasm like personality Mm -hmm. is just like i feel like whenever i hear fellow geeks talk about how everything stops and focus gets pulled it's like Mm -hmm. such a nanosecond that they're exaggerating i get very defensive and i'm like oh come on it was just for a second let me have it exactly i'm 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 I, I that's what I'm, I'm like is it just me being hyper you know like and again me like being in this state where it's just like oh that's yeah, such an but, obvious thing to me but not and you're looking out else. for your own childhood right you're looking out for like fellow people who you know they they have nostalgia and i guess for me like i'm i'm much more about like whatever the new thing is than i am nostalgia i like nostalgia but nostalgia i feel like also I, it can really drag me down sometimes right you mean the uh, the scent, the the cologne by Adrian Veidt? Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Are you watching that show? Should we talk about that for the next hour? Let's do it. <laughs> um. But yeah. The, so the 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 Will Rohead brand ice cream maker is revealed to be a Camtono. Camtono. Um. Mm-hmm. And do, do you do you know the origin of Camtono? I just I just found this out and it made me really happy. It made me really angry. <laughs> really. Uh, I do, and I want you to provide the listeners, please. Um, the, the word Camtono, it comes from, there's a viral video from, uh, from 2017, uh, where a guy is t- t- talking to his, presumably his daughter and, uh, trying to get her to say ice cream and she can't say ice cream. She just keeps saying Camtono. And so it's like, you know, like he's like, all right, I, and she says, I, and he says like, like, and she says like, and then he says ice cream and she says Camtono and it keeps happening. And, uh, I think that's, I think that's really weirdly and not, not just because I'm a, I'm a parent, but I, I think that's a, like just the fact that it refers to a viral video thing and really subtly, it's not like a, you know, it, Alex, again, you hate, you, you hate kids. What, what's your take? Uh, <laughs> I nearly strained my eyes rolling them so hard when that when I read that yeah. thing that came from a viral video. I just think it's funny. It's whatever. They 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 got the Chewbacca noises from feeding a bear too many cheeseburgers until it farted. So whatever. It's it's whatever. <laughs> so many Star Wars things are weird like that. It's fine. Yeah, and it's 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 the like the fact that so it's like a multi-layered thing that it's like okay, we're calling this a Camtono because it is an ice cream maker, and but instead of calling it a, an ice cream maker, we'll call it. Well, this, there was this viral thing about ice cream that sounds enough like a Star Wars word because it's layered. I like it. Prince is layered. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I kind of like the. I kind of wish they had instead of making it into a thing which is designed to carry stuff around. I wish it had been like a. Um, Almost like like one of those like a like a fake book that has a hole in it so you can hide stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like so, this looks like an ice cream maker, but it actually is a secret way of trans. Will yeah. Hood was using it as almost like a way of tra- like hiding his money in a coffee can. Right, right. You know what I mean? Or those those things. So, that, but now uh, the fact that it's a like like the fake like the can of WD forty where the bottom screws off and you put your exact passport in there or yeah. whatever. But now that we know that this is used, it's almost like the equivalent of carrying like a, a cloth bag with a big dollar sign on it in terms of like hiding your money. Because right. everyone knows you, you keep, you know, you hide money in it. So. Well, like an old fashioned safe. They're definitely doing some <laughs> yeah, like, man. like uh, all three episodes. They've had plenty of moments where you're just supposed to go, oh, this he's trying to walk around with swagger. And I think they hint a lot uh, like in this episode, uh, Imperial Herzog says... It's hard to. It's what it's harder to find uh, a Mandalorian than it is to find a Beskar or something like. Like he's he makes it he clear that they're in hiding and it's not easy to just find a Mandalorian. And so I think to have have one of these guys walking around the streets already is like supposed to be a dude in a black hat walking through the middle of a shady ghost town, and. Um, you know they 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 want you to get the feeling that him walking around with this canister of some sort of prize material requires badass kind of you know you know swagger is all i can think of like it's really it's really about just uh, they're trying to heighten his attitude and um back to my comment about just i love the helmet acting i think (laughs) if if um if that's if that's Pedro in the armor, he's doing such a great job. And if it's not, that body double is doing such a great job. <laughs> I'm a bunch of people complained about the lack, like that you don't see his face. You guys have any thoughts on that? Personally, I'm very much in favor of it. Oh, I would love too. it if they made it through the whole love series, it. never showing his face. Love yeah. it. But some people are not. Some people are getting angry. I about think that. that's because we have been conditioned as a culture to have Iron Man take his helmet off too much to show off the Robert Downey Jr. pay scale that the movie right. has. And I really think that's nonsense. I really think we need to get used to the, the, the fact that this, as long as, as long as it, it can emote and you can, you know, look for the emoting and you can be patient. I mean, it's patience, right? You're supposed to read into what the subtle headcocks and stuff are communicating. And I think people don't have the patience for it. Cause they just want a celebrity face or like a, a handsome face to communicate it instead. And it's like, no, like it's all there. You just have to trust it. And, suspend yeah. your disbelief it's it's something that's been around in filmmaking and um and tv serials for a long time and i think they're trying to bring it back and i appreciate it yeah and it, it there was a certain amount of uh chekhov's gun applied to it too that like in this episode yes. they're like has your helmet ever come off like no oh yeah oh and then <clears> so we know that we're probably down the road it, that that might happen but yeah uh, if it brings more meaning to it you know yeah um and I do excuse me. So one one thing oh god beep. I do like Pedro Pascal's face, but I also like the way that they're the um, the way oh, that they're doing it in this is great. He's very nice to look at, but uh mm-hmm. he's he's doing so great with the voice. Yeah. The whole show is so stoic. I I think having Herzog and Carl Weathers and him and uh whoever the woman is who's the armorer, her voice is very cool too. Like I think there's 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 a lot of really just good stoicism going on. It's re- like that whole 
that whole thing about this show being a Western is, is being communicated to me that way. And I like it. Yeah. I, I looked her up. She is a, um, I think she's mainly a voice actress, which makes sense. Um, I like that they got a voice actress instead of it being like, yeah. oh, it's Alice and Janney. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. You know, like I, I like when they use voice actors for voice roles. Well, and I feel like Pedro oh. Pascal got cast for his voice either way, like because the, the way he's doing it, so I'm like not familiar with his voiceover work. But if you told me that he had done a ton of video games and 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 had been like an experienced voice actor, I would not be surprised. Uh, Emily Swallow. Apparently, she's on the Supernatural. Oh, great! Okay, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that show, but um, yeah, she's uh, best known for oh, The Mentalist and Supernatural. So cool. she's got a niche. I'm not super go. familiar with Supernatural, but uh, I, I've, I've met um, Rachel Miner. She's uh, from Supernatural, and she's in the Dungeons and Dragons community, and she's really cool and. Uh, and uh, I support the folks from that show because they all seem super nice. So that's good. That, that, the acting's natural. great. Can't Maybe. wait for Gina Carano to show up, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it keep, it, it's weird that, uh, yeah, I'm looking at these. Um, well, they started they, including her in the in the um, banners on Disney+. Plus. Did you notice they shifted them? And so now oh. she's in the background. Interesting. They went from, like, the blue uh, banner on Disney+, Plus with just the Mandalorian, to... You know, now she's there behind him. And right. It's yellow. Hmm. So maybe she's coming up soon. Can I uh, do two comments on Werner Herzog? I wish you would. Uh, number one is I was, uh, you know, obviously he's an old imperial guy, and uh, I was like, huh, I wonder where, like, where was he during the whole, um, you know, thing? Because mm-hmm. so Werner Herzog is seventy-seven years old. So this is what nine years after. Return of the Jedi, right? Isn't something like that? Five? Not sure. Nine? Somewhere. Excellent question. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so anyway, so I guess that would make Werner Herzog, that would make his character uh, born about 70 BBY-ish. Um, and anyway, one thing I learned was that uh, in 70 BBY is when the Tatooine um, mining industry collapsed. Which, oh. is, uh, which is funny. I thought it, I would have thought it would have been much longer than seventy years ago. That star, that uh, that sand crawler looks a lot older than uh, than seventy years. Mm. When, um, so. huh. But it, it, well, anyway, it probably wasn't brand new when. Maybe the brand new ones they, yeah, that's they took true. with them. That's probably true. They left only the the junkiest ones behind. Right. Uh, but also, isn't it weird that Werner Herzog says, "Oh, it's very hard to find a Mandalorian these days," <laughs> and he lives in there's a colony of Mandalorians that happen to be living underneath that very town that he is in. Well, I don't think so. I don't think he knows. I, but that's just so weird. It might, you know what else? He's... I I did interpret it as a vague threat. I feel like he was trying to also say, like, "I will find your people," because it's mm-hmm. right after. Mando flexes a little bit of curiosity about what they're doing with the kid. So I feel like he said it to sh- shut him up a little bit. Right. It's a, that whole thing about the Mandalorians living under the under the town is just... It, like, did they come out? Do they ever come out? Wouldn't people yep. see Mandalorians walking around all the time? I'm, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they do, like, bounty hunter work or... Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they just do it a little more uh, sparingly or... They're they're not uh, communicating that they live there that much. Also, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know that they... Do they get their bounty hunter jobs from Carl Weathers? Wouldn't he... It seems like everyone would know that there are Mandalorians living under, unless they never came out. They don't come out en masse. You know, they don't, there's no, like, you know, Mandalorian, the local baseball team. And they're not showing, they're not showing his approach to the Mandalorian place. They're always cutting to that, uh, the, the beast head and him walking down the first corridor. So I think, right, like, so I think you're, you're supposed to also be willing to believe they're not even necessarily in the same town. It's just he isn't taking off the planet. Like it, right. Well, but they but they have to be in the town because they all show up at the they all show up at the end. They all pop out of the ground and and start. Well, the they fly probably, so. probably. Uh, I I think I think that makes sense. You're right. You're right. It's just it's just strange to me. It's an odd choice. Right. Well, I mean, convenient proximity for the plot, but also I don't read the cynicism into it. I'm just like, let's go. Yes, of course. <laughs> Well, again, that's the, it's, you know, there's not a lot of difference between a plot hole and a, uh, an invitation for a, an expanded universe work. <laughs> you know, there's like, oh, why is this like this? And that's, that's, you know, that's not something to be like, oh, that's, yeah. that's a problem. That's not a problem with Star Wars. That's a, that's a, that's room to work in. Hmm. Where I see, where, where I see something that's lazy storytelling, you see opportunity. There you go. Um, I, I like it. Well, well and he, I feel like I feel like you're also just supposed to not. You're you're. How do I put this? Werner Herzog and the Doctor aren't necessarily like a big deal until they meet the Mandalorian, right? They, for all we know, especially because of how gross those stormtrooper outfits are, they're kind of down on their luck, begging for something meaningful to happen to them, right? Like they like they're maybe there's a lot of pride in the in the Herzog guy with his shiny little medallion but like for all we know like it's utterly meaningless for them to be on the same planet as the mandalorians and they have no idea they're in hiding they're just trying to find they're hiring as many bounty hunters as possible right or commissioning as many as possible so like they may have just gone to a planet where they heard there's a lot of bounty hunter traffic and they're living in a shed so it's for them it's not so much like uh a delightful plot coincidence as it's you know like like well we went here because there's bounty hunters and we hoped a mandalorian would show up because you know we heard rumors one of them takes bounties out of this cantina yeah the uh they're probably the ones who don't go outside (laughs) yeah exactly the mandalorians probably leave the house more than these guys do because uh because you you got to think with how shaky and defensive those stormtroopers are they're they're always talking smack back to manda that they probably have some social anxiety right now because they're they're like uh they're if i may the uh the rorschach wannabe uh folks in the current watchmen series so it's like they're they're just sort of they're they're they're, pro- they're very racist they enslaved other planets their empire's fallen they're in hiding those are some old costumes yeah so. so, well, I, have to, I am not convinced, but we'll move on because we have too much other. <laughs> I think we need to we need to die on this hill, Alex. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. If you're about to die on the hill, luckily a bunch of Mandalorians will pop up out of nowhere who've been there the whole time. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, so yeah, so, uh, the other um, since since we're down with hanging out with the Mandalorians, uh, that other the 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 grouchy Mandalorian, the heavy infantry Mandalorian I mean, is how he's called. Oh, I love Paz, him so much, Paz Vizsla. You, that's Paz. Right? Oh, he's a Vizsla. That's Paz Vizsla. 
isn't he? Vizsla is an important name in uh, Mandalorian culture. Yeah, isn't he in Rebels and all that? No, pre Do they pre say his name in it? Is, I thought is in the cartoons. Right? This is Paz yeah. Vizsla. Pre, but but uh. but Vizsla, Yeah, if he's the same Vizsla, he's got like a cool. He had a dark saber in Clone Wars. Like that's like a he could be related. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I, I was going to say that he's played by Tate Fletcher, who was the the mixed martial arts guy who, who was the very first person the um, Mandalorian fought in the series. So, actor playing two roles mm. in, the, in the show. Well, he did a great job, and I love him. Wait, so he was the guy in the bar? Yeah. Oh. Who said, Mando! Right. Check out this guy's glands! <laughs> <laughs> I love that, direct quote. Quote. that uh, paraphrase. is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, apparently in the credits it says that his name is Paz Vizsla. So that's a interesting. Keep that huh. a little tidbit for the for the like is that fan service for the for the those who have been paying attention to the cartoon uh, continuity and stuff like that. Yeah, or just for losers. Connection? Yeah, <laughs> just for losers who like Star Wars, they put that in there. Yeah, not even just Star Wars. The Star Wars cartoons, the loserest of the loser of Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I love oh. it. I love it. That's the thing, though. Like I'm teasing. Of I, course, what I love the most about the cartoons is is that they really try to add some fun lore to it and. uh I don't know. It's it's it, they're kind of recanonizing it a little bit too because Clone Wars was right in that lump of when they eradicated everything into Legends. So it feels right. like a it feels like they're also just trying to do that thing again of like, oh, there's some lore. Let's use it. But and um, actually, before we before we step into the Mandalorian Enclave, uh, I did want to point out more. Uh, I'm glad you're here, Dan. More uh, roasted Kowaki and monkey lizard. I noticed, and then there's that lady like just gnawing on it in the foreground. It's yeah. it's, it's out of focus, but now you actually it, like it, they showed someone eating. I think it, the last time you saw the roasted Kowaki, but uh, this time there's for sure someone just just ripping one off the bone. It's so gross. <laughs> Which of our of which Star Wars characters do you think have eaten a fried salacious crumb? Well, now I'm thinking way too many. <laughs> like more fifty percent or more, or do you think it's is it a common thing? Is I think it like it's some uh, fried chicken. I think it's some or lower it class like, uh, street you know. food in creepy markets that a lot of those bounty hunter folks probably eat all the time. Although here's has Anakin eaten one? <laughs> He's probably eaten one. Huh? Well, I don't know because remember he he probably doesn't eat. Like I guarantee you, you, Chewbacca has eaten Kowakian. He's eaten pork. Oh, What's yeah. the difference? Well, yeah, Chewbacca's probably the best. Like he flies all around the galaxy, so he's got access to all kinds of stuff, and he's a he's an eater. <laughs> he's a gourmand. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's always thinking with his stomach. <laughs> um, but uh, this just gave me an idea. Here's another thing for StarWarsMinute.com/slash merch that I'll have to do this and throw this up in there. I think because it's more of a uh, throw it. But, up. Uh, I, I, I want a, a KFC logo, except it's KML, uh, and it's Kowaki and Monkey Lizard, and it's got a little picture of the thing because they're they're. Uh, I'm they're, I'm they mad like that I chicken. would I would both hate that and I would buy the T-shirt. <laughs> we'll we'll send you one so There's you don't no have kernels to in Star Wars. Sir. <laughs> There's no kernels. Oh, hmm. you think of any kernels? I don't know. Um. <laughs> Let's not let that derail us. But I'm, 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 I'm I am uh, perplexed by that. Colonel, I say, Colonel was a rank that was common uh, to most I'm militaries. Sure the EU has tons of them. Uh, 
Colonel oh, Wolf Ularen. Apparently, he was admiral in the uh, New Republic, but then once he moved to the Empire, was he a colonel? Oh, seems like a demotion. Does kind of right. Um. Well, when the Republic's transition to the Galactic Empire, Yularen re- resigned his commission in favor of becoming a colonel in the Imperial Security Bureau. Hmm. Um, Midlife crisis, yeah, I guess. Could be. Show me the colonels. Um, anyway, the um, yeah. So I just had to back up to that uh, street food incident. Thank um, you. Before we I'm get glad inside. You know me. But then once we do get inside, it, it, again, this is. This is where a lot of the fantasy speak happens that I'm not that into, but I love all of it. I I think I've said my piece, you know, if you guys want to tell me what you don't like, uh, I, I feel like it's clear that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with, uh, this Vizsla fellow and, uh, we can be at peace with that. (laughs) And the armor, the armor is, I love her helmet and her fur collar. It's, it's a really cool costume design. I do. I do like the design. I like most of the designs of the the Mandalorians. Um, but and the also, music here, I think, peaks awesome. It's the best. This uh, what is this guy is a uh, Ludwig Göransson. He's like a childish Gambino's friend or something. He did a great mm-hmm. job with the score here. I really liked it. Yeah, it always seems appropriate, which is which is a good thing. <laughs> it sounds like it's faint praise. Like, man, it seems appropriate, but it's it it really is good. You know what they? Uh, this kind of reminds me of the whole uh, Boba Fett um, culture. It reminds me of the Klingons. How they're always like fighting, and it's clearly like, well, they we have to let them fight for their honor, you right. know, that kind of a thing. They'll just kind of stand back and let them keep fighting until uh, until uh, right they don't. I did de- that. Kind I of did thing. describe this show to a couple of friends who aren't really into Star Wars. Um, and, uh, still have a little bit of a geek streak in them. And, uh, more than one person has said, oh, you mean like Klingons with kind of like an ironic eye roll. Right. Although <laughs> let me point out that Vulcans, uh, cannot, you know, within the, within the text of Star, Star Trek, uh, Vulcans had, uh, ritualized fighting before the Klingons did. So, um, all right. <laughs> My me standing up for Vulcans all the time. Um, I wouldn't call this ritualized, though. This fight, that no, but that, it's just kind of seems very off yeah. the cuff. Um, the um, I really was hoping that uh, when she takes the uh, kind of uh, the excess, and uh, she's like, "All right, well, this you know, you can make a new, you know, parts of armor out of this, and then the uh, with the with the excess, we'll make uh, whistling birds." And I was really hoping it was going to be one of those like uh, one of those things that's like a whistle in the shape of a bird that you put water in and you just blow into <laughs> it and it goes. <laughs> I was really I wanted her to make it into that like the, for some reason it was like part of, part of their whole culture revolves around these children's toys. Pete, I love you and you're very smart, but also you're so dumb. That's the <laughs> dumbest thing you've ever said. <laughs> uh-huh. So while uh, while she's making the arm, well, also so while she's making the armor, there's more of those flashbacks to oh yeah the Mandalorian's uh, childhood, and we get to see a uh, super battle droid. Nice little yeah, yeah nice little uh, prequel uh, nod. I always appreciate when something reasonably cool from the prequels on a concept level gets done better in better uh, Disney Star Wars. That makes like when when Luke mentions the name. 
Darth Sidious and Last Jedi, I got a little excited. I was like, oh, you're making that better. Thank you very much. <laughs> Although, would it be... It's, it's also... You, would it be at all as powerful a flashback if they were the regular battle droids? If they were just like Roger Roger battle droids? It would be kind of... It would make it kind of goofy. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I just... I think they did the smart thing and were like, you know, anyone could just grab one of those and rip them in half. Uh, yeah. And I think... I think it's becoming more clear... That this guy, uh, he, it, how do I put this? It's I don't know how old this guy is, but if if Mandalorians never take their helmets off, that was either a, a tradition in canon after that or not. But like his mom and dad were not wearing helmets, so either he's not a Mandalorian or that tradition culturally didn't start till after that purge, right? I think it's, it'll tie into because when he he makes a point of saying, "Hey, give some to the foundlings," I'm assuming that's where he. Well, he was he was a foundling. Yeah. Did, did you say that? I thought foundlings episode. are supposed to be yeah, they're supposed to be uh, kids. Yeah. Right. Right, but I think it's specifically like orphan kids. They are found. Right. Oh, interesting. I didn't. It's not like a young. I didn't put it's that together. I thought it, I thought it just. Oh. Or you thought because they were in That's like a cool. foundry that they were foundlings. So wait, okay. Can I back up for a second? Thematically, Please. do you think the reason these guys are hard on the Mando is because he is an orphan and not like a tradition? Like they're this is supposed to be sort of a commentary on adopted people. It probably doesn't help. He's like Jon Snow. Everyone's like, okay, he's a right. he's a he's a nothing. I think that's interesting. I mean, I I definitely think it fleshes the character out more so i'm glad you p- called that out because i hadn't put two and two together for what a foundling really means one thing i was surprised at in the first episode when she asked him if he had a sigil and he's like no i don't have a i don't have a sigil yet mm-hmm. and in this episode she's like how'd your armor get broken and he's like oh well, the mudhorn did it she's like that'll become your sigil i thought it would be a much bigger deal than that than just kind of like oh you fought this monster one time there you go there's your, well there's i think sigil. i thought you know, you know there'd be some ceremony or initiation or something I think like it, like the sorting hat or something but yeah it's they're they're a grim warrior culture i'm okay with it just being a statement in, a, <laughs> in an armory you know Maybe in the olden days it was more of a big deal. Now it's yeah. just kind of like, well, we don't have a lot to work. Well, with now here, they so. live in a hot little shed underground. So. Yeah, <laughs> like how many guys <laughs> never go up top? <laughs> like how many how many mandos come out of there and their sigil is like a pigeon or like a you know or <laughs> squirrel or something like that because that's that's all they get access to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he declines that he decline. It took me a second to figure it out because he declines the mud horn because he says it wasn't a noble kill because an enemy helped him. Right. Yeah. I was like, who? Who? And I was like, oh, the baby Yoda. Yeah. So he's like, the baby Yoda was his enemy. It's an interesting. I yeah. loved. I loved how he couldn't quite piece it together. Ah, God, I, I just. I mean, the foundling comment's great because I, I already was like, oh, that's a reference to kids. It's supposed to make you think Mando cares about kids and he's thinking about kids and it's it's going to inform his choice to go back and save the kid. But then, yeah, like it's, it's also him recognizing, Oh, was it an enemy? What? It's so ambiguous. And him grappling with it is a a nice character building moment. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things going on here and it's good. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I. So, anything else before we return to? Um, yeah, we're halfway Carl through Weathers the episode. Game? We're fifteen minutes in, you guys. Look what I've done to your pacing. <laughs> oh, we didn't. Uh, we didn't mention the vibro blades. 
when they were fighting oh, yeah. with the knives, the, they were moving around a little bit. And uh, I'm assuming those are the, the vibroblades that we've heard so much about um, in in EU kind of lore stuff. Everything's a yeah. vibroblade. There's a lot of that in uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. Um, that's I didn't have anything to say stuff. other than like, hey, vibroblades. So... Um, are the Gamorian axes supposed to be vibro axes? Yes. All right. <laughs> I think they can't just have them be regular. Everything has to be vibro. It's like saying yeah. space axes. They're the space axe. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked when Princess Leia choked Jabba the Hutt out with that vibro chain. That was really. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, then we get we get outside. We see the titular Mandalorian walking down the street. Um, in his new armor, I wrote looking very much like RoboCop. Yeah, and he has this kind of, you know, uh, uh, swagger about him, like you said, Dan. And I like, um, I like the this sort of uh, after the confrontation. They say this is the way. It reminded me a lot of the "I have spoken" Ugnot line. Right. I like it's more Western stuff. Is it um, more Western yeah. stuff? Yeah, it's like something out of a West to just have like a sort of like grim kind of saying that people have. It's it's nice. I don't know that that. To me, seems a little bit seems more fantasy than western. Again, this is walking the line, but I I I like it enough within this. It is you know I I don't like that codification kind of ritual. Everything has to be this you know stilted dialogue about what is you know stilted. And, and the the most this is kind of the most uh, uh, how dare you kind of it's uh, almost because it's the distillation of that maybe that's why i like it like it is the way it's just the simple all right oh, like, don't don't make it flowery I, just say it is the way that's fine i I'll feel like that. it's oh why am i doing this i'm digging my heels in on everything um <laughs> i feel like it's just supposed to be like okay mandalorian culture is different than the rest of the cultures so this is something for they're giving you just a glimpse of of the morality and that's what the ugnot line was too so you know I'm better than you guys. I just want to make that clear, and I hope I have. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right, Dan has been our guest. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I really like the Constable Zuvio guy uh, getting yelled at by Grief. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird scene. Too, uh, is, is calls that him when a dust scene? breather. He's like, get out of here. <laughs> um, that guy's name is, I believe, Saucerhead. <laughs> um, it is now. Now that's cannot that's in universe. He's called Saucer. Anyway, his Wikipedia page is, just says Saucer Head. Um, hmm. If I um, but all so there's an interesting thing that uh, a couple of these guys are straight from Solo. They're the same characters that are around in. Solo. Oh, nice! I didn't notice that. That's cool. Um, Weird. Yeah, he's uh, who else? He's well, we'll we'll get there in a little bit. But uh, my 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 blonde Rodian friend. She's actually the one from Empty Nest's gang. Really? Yeah. That's I like that. I don't like that. I don't. Um yeah, Saucerhead is the dealer at the 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 card game at the end of oh, Solo. Oh no way. I'm into all this. This is great. Where where Han wins the uh the Falcon back. Back. Not the, back. The blonde Rodian's cool already. I I didn't notice uh that there was one in solo, even though I've seen solo a few times. That's cool. Uh, yeah. The, the, I guess a couple of people, this is an interesting, some people are going to yell at us that we haven't read the book that outlines all this, but it seems like a couple of people from this 
from the bounty hunter guild are from the cloud riders from from empty nest's gang oh awesome well if you didn't um, read the book so what half 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 of star wars lore is in children's dk press books what, what are you gonna do right <laughs> yeah there, there's that weird kind of cool um thing that looks like it has it's not two tubes but it looks like it's got two kind of uh tubes sticking out of the top of his head almost like a with like kind of insect eyes uh, yeah miss our Isolo, Isolo. Is it a droid or a? Or well, a there's that ins- it, there's that like insectoid droid bounty hunter near the end. It's in the end sequence shootout. That's really cool. Is it a droid or is it a, is it a person in a suit? Yeah, uh, the one that I'm talking about. <laughs> what like in real life? You Both mean? Or? Well, no, is it? It's, it's hard to person. say because they might they might the not way. they might not make it clear. It might just be like Forlom, where it's like a very humanoid esque. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think I know um, which one you're talking about. Well, um, and mo- most, uh, you know, I, I suggested this, uh, I think, an episode or two ago. Um, but um, the, uh, the also in this featured in this episode is indeed Constable Zuvio. Is that him at the bar saying Ichuta? Um, I'm looking for the the confirmation. It says that Zuvio's in the episode. Because there's a guy who also had one of those saucer yeah. helmets, and he's got more of a mask on, and he's sitting that... at the bar, and it's right after, um, where is it? Uh, it was like, he calls him a dust breather, and he says, get out of here, and then there's a, there's, right after Carl Weathers uh, says, everybody hates you, Mando, haha, <laughs> and there's like another line of dialogue, they cut to the guy at the bar who's like, clearly grossed out by mando and says eat chuta you know the classic right. tees go f yourself isn't that the same guy isn't that saucer head who was just no it's a Carl slightly Lewis? different mask but same helmet so that's oh, why i, I thought know. maybe it was zuvio saucer head is the one with the mask okay his, well maybe space is kind of covered well then um, maybe one of them maybe i'm making a mistake and they're the same person but i i uh yeah so i'm um, a guy at the bar yeah, Saucerhead is the one that argues with Grief Cargo over a failed bounty and demanded more bounty pucks, but was refused. Okay. Um, but Zuvio is just in, Zuvio? in the background in the bar uh, both times. So w- when I thought I saw him the other day, that was him. Although it's pre-Constable Zuvio, because he's not a constable yet. He was just like Mr. Zuvio. But that is Zuvio. That's cool. <laughs> um. So, wow, what a coincidence that all these people who who uh, who uh, have been around the Millennium Falcon have, are now showing up in this one. Man, it's it's oh, just Castle Zuvio. We got the, uh, the empty nest crew. We got. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a shame that Kathleen Kennedy did all of this to ruin Star Wars. I really just don't understand. <laughs> you know. mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the 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 sheer will to destroy the the franchise from the inside is uh, pretty amazing. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, we'll get to. I'm going to come back to uh, to the blonde Rodian later. But uh, uh, walking down the street, we got Ichuta. We got uh, oh, the, so he he wants another job. And uh, here's where I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, he picks up the puck for uh, a new bounty, which looks like a uh, Amon Calamari uh, nobleman's son skipped bail this makes me think that like akbar jr i I can't wait to see like you know oh yeah akbar's uh you know good for nothing loafer son who's you know like uh 
I'm trying to think of modern examples, you know, Earth world examples of, you know, like you get the the kind of, uh, you know, the statesman, the the kind of the guy who's kind of well respected by everybody. And then their son, who's just kind of a, you know, a, a boarding school drunkard. The Chet Hayes, if you will. I'm trying to think of that. I don't I, I'm afraid to say I don't get the reference off the bat. Oh, Chet Hayes is Tom Hanks's son, who is a rapper and likes to say the N word. He's an oh, interesting fellow. Yeah, uh, there's a, but no, but it's like it's like that. Yeah, that it's like the the kid from Succession. It's like that 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 horrible rich kid gone rogue thing. Right. Yeah, I like it. So I, I, here I was hoping that okay, this is just where we transition to the next plot string. Uh, it's not. I was too. I was like, it's oh, not bounty of the week. It's the story of if Lone Wolf and Cub. Why won't you buy into it? I know, but I thought we were going to just you know move on. There was going to be some you know. Uh, well, what, I don't know. He was going to have you know some some regrets about it, and then you know steal his heart and move on. And I wanted to see the I wanted to see the story of the uh, maybe you know maybe we will still. We've got five episodes left. Maybe we'll still get to see the, the drunken now, calamari. Um, you just you just love the way that grief said. Looks like you're headed to the ocean dunes of Karnak. You thought yeah. it was very, but like I think they want he he's. Uh, Fabro and uh, and Deborah Chow, I think, are just doing that. Like, do you know um, Edgar Wright's movies? Like, um, he he does those. He'll have like a a wrap up at the end of his movies that makes you just go like, oh, this plot is going to go for a while, right? Like, there's there's a lot more that that can happen, but I'm not going to show you all of it. It's just supposed to be like a taste of what could happen. And um, I think he's he, yeah, he's just trying to make you show the the. Just how focused the Mandalorian is, and I, I liked it. I, it's supposed to be a misdirection. It's supposed to make you go like, "Oh, I see the 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 allure of just moving on to the next hunt." But he's he's obsessed with this kid now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. I kind of agree with Pete in that you can't really you can't really tease a Mon Calamari and then just be like, "Oh, you know what? Never mind. We're just going to go back to that." Other right. Well, I'm for the five percent like, of your listeners who just hook on one thing and can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I think you know. Luckily for their sake, the uh, well, they probably it was probably calculated, but they uh, the way that uh, Yodel is caught on, you know, the baby Yoda on the internet uh, is the new, um, the new you know, piano kit, piano cat was that a, was that the name? Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like everybody's everybody's all crazy about. It. He bumped uh, McClunky right off the charts, and then uh, so everybody's <laughs> crazy about baby Yoda. And the, if they had just seen this he episode, been like right off the charts. Then just handed him off. Be like, all right, there you go. And we never saw Baby Yoda again in the in the series. They might be like, uh, they might have you know, upset fans to deal with. But well, you 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 put it really well on one of the last two episodes. I think you said it on the last one about how I think Alex said this. Um, if they if they had let it leak that Baby Yoda was in this, everyone would have hated it. Right. It would have yeah. been it would it would have yeah. been ripped to shreds, and it would have been the most unpopular made fun of thing in the new star Wars, but because it was a surprise, I think people received it the way they were meant to. Right. And I think, I think a lot of it is, is uh, their ability to keep it secret was, was definitely calculated. Well, yeah. Chalk one up for uh, no spoilers. Um, I will say that out of all, out of the three character, three main um, new exciting characters they introduced, uh, IG Eleven, Ugnolty, and Baby Yoda, 
uh, Baby Yoda is the one I'm least I would least like to follow. I would much rather follow IG Eleven around than uh, than Baby. Yoda. Well, you're not supposed to think Baby Yoda's cool. You're supposed to see why this guy is determined to protect it. Right. Oh yeah, no, I understand that, but I'm just saying, as a viewer, I would much rather f- go back to the adventures of IG Eleven. But eh, hopefully, he'll show up again. IG-12. I mean, I think the only reason we like IG Droids so much is because you only saw them in the the Death Star or whatever. You know, hearing about the bounty for Solo and behind the cantina as a coffee maker, right? Like, they, because of the just sort of background nature of it, it's cool. I, I think if... um, Well, plus, in that first episode, IG-11 was awesome. Just shooting everybody? That was that well, was what made me want to see more of him. He's I also constantly... to be in this thing. But he's constantly faking his own... Like, he's constantly debating suicide. How long, narratively, do you think you can keep going <laughs> with this guy who's always thinking about his self-destruct button? Like, that's gonna... <laughs> narratively <laughs> he's gonna be just at that's, the bar and it's like oh he that was what i found most relatable about him. yes <laughs> me for my id i must self-destruct i cannot give away my identity well i think i would be yeah i he could he's a droid he can come back we've seen c3po has oh, yeah. been through worse um um you know i think i think it's actually ig88 um, but every time he reboots, they count down. So he's rebooted seventy-seven times now. Oh. So he only has ten more lives left before he, uh, oh. before he's permanently uh, gone. Or they just knock off. You know, it goes in multiples of eleven. So there was eighty-eight, then seventy-seven, then oh boy, sixty-six, then fifty-five, and, uh, and so oh, on. So he only has one more iteration. Well, now he's IG double zero. Last iteration. Mm. And now we. So now he's like he's cooler. Anyway, as always, oh, yeah, I, I do completely true. agree with you that that is exciting and would have been cool to see more, more, more of the droid and and his bounty with the, with the, the calamari. I'm just I'm super sucked into the lone wolf and cub stuff. Well, on that, uh, by that same token, on that note, do you think? And this is both of you can say this. I've said I think I said it last episode that I can foresee that at the end of this season that the titular Mandalorian will kill the baby Yoda. Nope. Now, do you think that the no Baby Yoda will no uh, survive to the end of the season, A, and then B, do you think the Baby Yoda will be a factor in season two? Or do you think it's this just... Is, uh, this, is a, this is why you had me on, because this is where I completely disagree with you guys. I, I'm, I'm the cheesy guy. You guys, are, you guys are into the grit, and I am into the cheese. Well, I'm, uh, I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm saying I, that's what I think will happen. Well, I, I, do t- I don't. I think what will happen is he'll, uh, the, the last episode, the Mandalorian will die sacrificing himself for Baby Yoda, and, and season two will be about another Mandalorian. Hmm. I think you're both wrong. <laughs> I think uh, it'll end with Baby Yoda safe in the hands of the Rebellion or somebody, and then the second season of The Mandalorian will not feature Baby Yoda, but they will not kill him because oh, they've got too much merch. I agree with that too. I think that could be. I think that goes with my theory. I thought you were going to ask would be, would um, not so Baby Yoda show up in the Rise of Skywalker? Hmm. No, I don't think we'll no. see Baby Yoda for a long time. Long time. You just said you just said he would be in the second season. Oh no, you said he you said he would live or get killed. I said he would live, but you would never see him again. Like you would, he would sacrifice himself, and that would be the end of the story, and 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 that would be that. And then for season two, it's all new characters and a new Mandalorian. Hmm. 
So you don't know the fate of Baby Yoda. No, you, he'll live, but the, but but he'll yeah, he could go with the rebellion or whatever. But I don't think you'll see him again. You know, I think narratively they'll just okay. sort of wrap it up and be like this creek, this this life was important and it it lived. But that doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily milk it for more intellectual property content. It'll just be a doll for Christmas, and that'll be it. But they've set up so much about how the Yoda species are rare and mysterious and like, well, you right, just but say, you, okay, can... you know what, let's just have him go live in an orphanage. No, but I think you're by by having him live. That's the sort of mm. kind of character heavy tone that he's going for here. You know, what you're the... just supposed to you're just, that, you're, that life has value. That theme is more important than the like Star Wars IP aspect. Oh, nothing is more important than the Star Wars IP. I think that Favreau is trying to do that risk-wise. And I, whether he succeeds will obviously be apparent in the, uh, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the, the merger of your two ideas, Dan, is that Baby Yoda becomes the new Mandalorian. So the, the Mandalorian oh, there you sacrifices go. himself. I think we Yoda... all agree that is the best possible outcome. Yeah. There we go. We solved it. I'm going to go so far as to say the Mandalorian is actually a force projection done by Baby Yoda. Oh, but yeah. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't think that they're nece- you're necessarily going to have to have Baby Yoda go on to something else. I know he's a big success, but uh, I think you can get a lot of merch out of this one season of television. I yeah. think that you know they'll they'll move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, I bet we're going to see baby baby Yoda Lego. You know, we're going to see tons of spin off yeah. baby Yodas. Right. Absolutely, there will be, as I said on Twitter, a merch apocalypse for baby Yoda. I do not <laughs> doubt that, but I don't. I don't think that it means you have to see him again, and, and he can live and not be seen again. I think. I think it is so rare that that there's something very precious in just having him kind of go go live a happy, quiet life. All right. Uh, so uh, when the when they show the uh, Mon Calamari, the 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 sure the Mon Calamari that we'll never get to fo- yeah that we'll never get to follow up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through the trouble of translating that Arabesh oh, for everyone. Thank you. Hoping it would reveal the name of oh, the character. Thank you. And the character's name is Wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like uh, I felt like Ralphie in uh, yeah. Christmas Story. <laughs> you should. That's a very Ralphie moment. Jeez. <laughs> Especially when you th- consider that when you're looking at it, you're seeing it backwards. So I had to translate it backwards. Oh man! Into, oh, I want work. a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt of Alex. Do a do a self portrait of you face palming, and it says, uh, uh, "I got Ralphed." <laughs> we'll have to clear. <laughs> I got Ralphied. I got Ralphied. Yeah. <laughs> Kick plus. Um. Yeah, it, it, once he uh, once he accepts and gets in the ship, um, before we get a cute moment, we will we get the the heartwarming moment of it. But I love the, the just the console porn essentially that leads up to it, that where he can like flipping switches and and yes. uh, all that kind of thing. I could watch. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much could I watch a whole show of just that possibly. But. Uh, mm. I don't remember you feeling quite the same way during the during the uh, pod race. They kept cutting <laughs> shots of uh, of Anakin flipping switches, and it was it seemed kind of uh, it wasn't as it wasn't as good. I don't, I'm gonna make a bold see, statement. You know. This is better than Star Wars Episode One. I don't know how many people <laughs> agree with me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, the 
It's just that that kind of warming stuff up and flipping switches uh, montage. I don't know. I'll have to go back and... It does have a nice physicality to it. Yeah. It does have a nice, like, solidness, yeah. solidity. I feel like in in the Padres, Anakin just kept flipping the same switch. <laughs> Could be. I do love the the drive stick knob bit that reminds him of the baby. I thought that 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 was very effective. I enjoyed the storytelling of it. Yeah, and then the being, um, you know... Somehow didn't see it coming. As calculated as it definitely was, I somehow did not see it coming. Yeah. Uh, be, being the being the father of a two-year-old, I, uh, or about to be two-year-old, I, I very much resonated with the not-in-your-mouth um, kind of aspect of that, too. Yeah, I was like, I, 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 I grabbed my chest and went, oh, man, I didn't think they'd get me. <laughs> Although, don't we see Baby Yoda eat an entire frog, this almost the yeah. size of his body? I don't feel like that that ball bearing would have been too much of a too much to handle. I do think no. it was it was digestible. He could handle. He could poop that out, no problem. Yeah. He's probably pooped out a whole frog skeleton. It's fine. He's more. I think <laughs> still 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 attached, still in the form of a frog. Titular Mandalorian is more worried about having to get a new knob. Hmm. Yes, but he made the sacrifice. No. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, he decides to go back, um, and uh, goes, turns around, goes, breaks into the uh, the post imperial compounds. Um, well, can I? Uh, I have something I wanted to comment that when he sees the uh, the old baby carriage in the garbage, I love yeah. it. Um, it didn't need. You should have put it at they. They should have put it on Space Craigslist. Someone could. <laughs> Facebook marketplace. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, I, it remind me of that uh, that Ernest Hemingway story with, uh, with baby. <laughs> but shoes. then you have the classic right. thing of like, uh, you know, a, a couple comes to take it. They're like, we're so happy to have a space pram. Oh, Thank yeah. you so much. Mm-hmm. And then you see them walking down the street with a different one, and you're like, oh, so my space pram wasn't good enough for you. And then, you know, that's why you don't regift space prams. But, uh, <laughs> and in that, in that's in the, the parents would be uh, some space junkers who have a newborn baby girl that they just have. What? <laughs> and the parents are, of course, Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade. Thank you very much, you and go. we're mm-hmm. done. But uh, I, I really thought that was a great, like, again, it's it's helmet acting, uh, so it, you have to project your feelings onto the the Mando, but. I love that you you just imagine the rage going through him when he's already decided to go find the baby and he finds that in the dumpster. It's like, oh, man, he's going to kill these guys so good. <laughs> now he has to carry him around. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. And, but it's better. And, 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 yeah. I, it's so much scarier and higher stakes to have him clutching it, right? I think they got their mileage out of the, out of the carriage, out of the little floating yep. baby pod. Agreed. And, uh, man, I, I loved, I just loved the, uh, the whole, the whole sequence of him building up to it. I, I like the fighting in the dark of him luring them in. I love him, him, ri- <laughs> we, I never thought I would get the joy of, first of all, like we get to see, as you, you pointed out already in, a, in one of the other episodes, we get to see the, the job of the hut door yeah. eyeball thing. But I love now we know it's a droid, right? Because he rips it apart and it cries in pain. I never <laughs> thought I would hear. I never thought I would hear that exact voice go. Gah! It was so fun. <laughs> and then uh, I love just how matter of factly he rips it off and walks away. That walk away from from murdering the door droid just made me so happy. That was so badass. 
I'm also surprised how flimsy the door droids are that you could just break it off with your bare hand. The swagger, Alex. It's about how tough he is. He can do it. <laughs> right. He's got that Hulk rage going yeah. on. <laughs> and he knows, you know, he awesome. knows the system. He knows the way it works. I mean, you can go up and smash somebody's, you know, ring, but it's going to catch you on it. So it's like, uh, he knows the, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know, he's trained. Uh, also, rewinding a little bit, when he's eavesdropping on um, Werner Herzog and Dr. Pershing, and uh, Werner Herzog says, you extract the necessary materials. Yeah. And uh, so that that does make you think that it might be that they're trying to extract the uh, midichlorians from the uh, from the baby. That is what, I, yeah, you, I think your clone theory works too, but my mind went to midichlorians, because then, then if they're trying to make Dark Jedi or something, that they could just do a weird eugenics transfusion creepy Nazi space thing. Mm. I think they are harvesting the midichlorians to facilitate the revival of Sheev Palpatine. Yep. I like it. Wow. Weird theory, but I'm into it. And then it ties directly in, which could be why this, this, the final episode of season one airs the day before the uh, release of The Rise of Skywalker. So it could be a direct tie-in one-to-one. You spotting the Camino thing and tying together the whole like genetics thing, I think, is uh, is eerily prescient. Mm. Well, well, full disclosure, I did not spot it. I read that on the internet. No, well, you 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 revived. Uh, I spotted it on the internet. Well, still, it, there's very few internet theories that I I think are are as exciting as the internet makes them out to be. But I think that one's interesting. Mm-hmm. Plus, you were too busy translating uh, Oribes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a service that many uh, yes. generations will appreciate. <laughs> wanted. The baby's name is Sample. Did you change the Wikipedia entry to make his character name Wanted? I think you really... Mm-hmm. I should have. Wanted. He's from a planet of, of where everyone is wanted. Wanted. Oh my god, what if you do that and then and then in the future uh, canon they identify him as Wanted and they use your viral Wikipedia <laughs> entry as the inspiration? Oh, and then some nerd will be rolling their eyes that I was... Right. <laughs> That they did that kind of wanted. It just means wanted. That's what it says. A wanted poster. Um, one thing I like about um him fighting the stormtroopers in this in this dark scene here yeah. is that um he uh su- subliminally he is illustrating how ineffective stormtrooper armor is because he kills them with three different methods. He yeah he stabs it's one old with too, a, presumably though. a vibro blade. He uh, shoots one with a laser, and then he lights a guy on fire. So this, clearly, this armor does nothing to protect anyone. Three things that could you think it might be protection against nothing. Well, yeah, it's because they're you know these are they are old, essentially. These are uh, uh, interestingly they're actually. Um, uh, Wait, you mean these the guys are old or the, the armor is old? They're, they're, the armor is um, old. Yeah, they're wearing junk stuff. I mean, I, I, I do think you're right. This is how flimsy it is and how bad they are. But uh, yeah, I think it's also like I feel like you could you could just hit these guys with a stick real hard. And they would be done. <laughs> do you think they are real? They are stormtroopers from the Empire or are they guys who were? Oh, I think afterwards? they're totally just like, kind of like rural a, infantry. A like a couple of them might have yeah. been stormtroopers, but also like it's whoever they can get. They're they're listed as remnant stormtroopers. Um, so they're you know formerly served the empire, employed by fragments of the former regime. So it comes up in yeah. you know it, each different thing still has their um, you know it's like how a lot of the former Soviet republics still have a lot of uh, you know uh, Soviet era um, yeah. you know machinery and stuff like stuff. that. 
uh, armaments, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, so they, they, yeah, it's all just kind of not that I think old, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty like universal theme that like, if you, if you don't take care of your veterans, they get a little creepy. There you go. <laughs> uh, so then he breaks into the, uh, to the main headquarters where Dr. Pershing has a uh, baby Yoda strapped to the Frankenstein table. Yeah. With a torture droid there for some reason. Oh yeah. man, it's a it's 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 interesting that Star Wars calls them kind of canonically torture droids. <laughs> I mean, they they I guess could be just a medical droid with a syringe extracting stuff, but it is ominous as all get out. <laughs> Especially because it's right at the fever pitch of right when the door is about to slam oh, shut, man, and you yeah. don't know what happens to. Uh... Can I read off the list of armaments? Uh, the technical specification. This is the uh, the ITO or IT zero uh, interrogation unit. Do you think people name them? Do people name interrogation droids? Oh, like, like, hey, ID or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Ito. Yeah, probably um, not. <laughs> well, here's the. Yeah, uh, I might skip that one. Um, the list of armaments attributed to the uh, to the IT zero. Uh, first of all, they're manufactured mm-hmm. directly by the Imperial Department of Military Research. They're not. Uh, they're mm-hmm. not repurposed from something else. Uh Armaments include bone fragmenters, chemical torture turret, uh, electroshock nerve probes, flesh peelers, joint cripplers, medicinal drug injectors, mind probes, and truth serum. Hmm. I mean, I'll say it. All of this sounds a little scary. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, you know what? Why don't we throw some flesh peelers on that? Uh, or these things are not to be. I wonder if we'll ever see one of those guys like really do anything. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, we're like, not going to see someone be tortured, but like right. used in any effective way whatsoever. I thought you meant like you know, like start a company that uh, you know is uh, successful and rises to the top of the whatever the the space S and P five hundred or whatever. Like really do something. Yeah, that is what yeah. that is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, something with your life. <laughs> well, I love the fight choreography here. As somebody who did fight choreography in college. I like the the fighting here and in the um, the big shootout we're about to talk about. I just thought it was it was shot in a way where it's easy to keep track of like where what direction he's going mm-hmm. and and it, what the progress is towards the ship. It was it, a lot of fun, sneaky stuff, a lot of good tension building, and I don't know if that was because of just amazing choreography or directing, um, but you know, like writing aside, I really just enjoyed the directing of this episode. So I wanted to just, uh, cause like the, the, the thing Deborah Chow is known for is TV directing. And there was a lot of, uh, build up about like who was going to work on this show because it, it, there hasn't really been a show like this ever, except for maybe the Marvel ones. Right. So this budget and the fighting and stuff. So I'm just glad it went well. Yeah, I mean, not to uh, not to ascribe too much to the. I did, uh, earlier when I when I was uh, being being critical and and uh, saying I was unaware of who was responsible for it. I, you know, the directing itself, I I like. I'm not ascribing too much to the uh, to the director. Well, yeah, um, and I and I think I only I only like want to highlight it too because I feel like these first three episodes kind of make a really um, a weird drop off because uh we you know we're about to be done talking about this one and it's like 
whatever happens next, I'm sure will be cool. I'm obviously a big Gina Carano fanboy, but like, I think it feels like a, a, you know, like a, a solid 90 minute movie that could just be done now. And um, even if you don't like where it's gone so far as much as I do, it's, it's very tightly paced. So yeah. there's the, the, the battle here narrative uh, tie in wise worked for me. And I really, I, I really just thought the flow was good. Yeah. Yeah. Overall it, it, it works well. And it's, you know, there, there are things in it that I, I think the things that I don't like as much about this are more, um, attributed to the writing, which is Favreau. Script that's, element. That's fine. Yeah, I like. Um, I like when uh, little little Yodel uh, winces when the stormtrooper gets burned alive. Yeah, it's like another hint that he has just sensitive force powers that makes him aware of pain. Mm. Um, and and then um, he's asleep when he jumps in the the truck. Right. Right. He looks at him and like kind of deciding what to do or at least reflecting on how he's going to make this jump into the truck. And it's like he, he's, he's a little sleepy baby. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, you're, they're really they're really using their shots. Well, yeah, he got all tuckered out. Um, nap time. They should have just stopped the, the whole battle. Like shh, nap time. Nap, nap. Don't wait. And I do like the baby. And I do like the transition into this final battle where the, the music gets really good again, like right from from the bunker fight through the beeping in the in the cantina of everybody's little transponders right. yeah yeah like that, that part's great we're suddenly so um also uh i don't know if, i think it we kind of glossed over at the uh we got to see the the whistling birds in action yes yeah. it was very much like a you know cue to james bond like oh here's a new thing i made for you and then within the scope of the same episode he, he, he uses it and it's like <laughs> here's something that you'll use if you're ever in a room full of uh, multiple enemies that uh, and then oh lo and behold well she also makes a point of she makes a point of saying how rare it is and then he just uses on some dumb stormtroopers <laughs> this i they're being efficient that's uh working for me that's all bye <laughs> um but yeah, it, it also I saw the fobs. I don't understand how the fobs work in this world. You can understand what an R2 unit is saying through its series of only three different bleep and bloop sequences. I'm guessing in this world, you're supposed to believe these people can hear a beep and see different lights on their little fob and it figure out who it's for. I think it's supposed to be like no, what subtle, I, subtle Morse code so, level stuff. I don't know. But like, OK, so the fob is, the, is like it beeps when you get closer to to baby yoda yes we learned in the other in episode one so when you're closer to a bounty and, and it's basically like saying like there's a big bounty and you're all being hired it's an emergency so so the reason they start beeping is because werner herzog or dr pershing reactivated the bounty yes That's, i'm yeah, guessing it's not like because like, i assume once he returned once he turned the baby in all the fobs would be like in a you know like turn off and be like defunct because that bounty was yeah returned. pershing flipped the the button right away and herzog uh, you know, it was like, yeah, we'll we'll give all the money for this guy. Let's do this, right? I did think it was an effective and um, a scene where, like, all you heard all the beeps going on because it definitely added to the sense of menace that he was going to have to yeah. fight off all of these guys. Although I am getting a little sick of seeing him fight. It's kind of like the Marvel movies where I'm getting a little sick of him fi- fighting generic uh, other rival uh, bounty hunter guys who just kind of. You know, are faceless and just kind of disappear yeah. off. off the I think they're generic. I, I really like the dude with the horns who is to the left of grief in the final <laughs> confrontation, and I dug the insectoid guy. And I, I think they tried. And I, I knew this, the squid guy in the first cantina got chopped in half. I liked him. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, he was good. But so in every episode, there's been a scene of him fighting generic uh, bounty hunters. So it's. Uh, I knew you would like. Yeah, that, it's that Western stuff. It's that Western stuff, man. He's got to shoot some dudes who who uh, do the Wilhelm scream off their horse. It's just. <laughs> Watch it. Right, but hope, I'm hoping he'll be fighting rival bounty hunters who have, like, an identity to them and, like, a name oh, and for sure. like that, rather than just, like, guys who just, you know, fade away. Right. That's why they we'll That's see. why they let grief live, and I'm sure Gina Carano will be, like, the big person who either hunts him down or is his backup. I mean, they're they're building. It, they're... It, it, yeah. there's, there may be things paying off in the same episode like the Whistling Birds, but I guarantee you the last few episodes will have some narrative tie-ins. All right. Yeah, the tell for guarantee. The tell for guarantee. <laughs> you can count on it. Wink to the camera. <laughs> when I was watching this, knowing that, you know, taking notes, knowing that I that you were going to be on here, I knew that you would like the Minotaur guy, Dan. Oh, yeah. He's great. The dude the dude to the left of uh, Grief. Yeah, He's the great. one with horns that, uh, I, Alex, I assume that you, you could go either way on the Minotaur guy, I think. I don't know. How did you feel about him? I'm pro Minotaur. Okay. I'm pro Minotaur. Okay. I'm pro any alien monsters. That's my right. general <laughs> feeling. Solid policy. Uh, well, speaking of alien monsters, this is where we d- we do see the the sad death of Chusido. Chusido is the blonde Rodian. Um, and you know what? Chusido is good for your teeth. Uh, it promotes enamel <laughs> whiteness. If you have to chew, or if I wrote Chusido. <laughs> Um, yes, Chusido. Chusido, uh, was in fact a member of the Cloud Riders. Um, um, see, she was, so she's the same one that showed up at the end of, you know, Solo, and then you, you get a clear, that's where we first, I think, were introduced to the Blonde Rodian, um, kind of, a skin tone. Um, and then, uh, in between then and, and here, not much happens other than she just shows up, uh, Joins the Bounty Hunters Guild after the Cloud Riders can kind of break up. And then uh, here she gets killed. And that's it. Um, goodbye, Gr- goodbye, Greedo S. <laughs> yeah. Greedo. So long, Chusido. Um, <laughs> Adios. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's the end of the Rodian for Chusido. There you go. Ah. Um, McClunky. <laughs> <laughs> That joke was McClunky. <laughs> they should have had the Blonde Rodian say McClunky. Oh, yeah. I think if, <laughs> like, I think if they had known, like, if, if enough, if this was next week's episode, they may very well have gone in and just It'll, dropped it in there. They'll drop it in there, but we're like five or six digital redos away from a McClunky take. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, then as he's, uh, uh, well, here two things that I noted. Um, one is, uh, the droid responds to threats of bodily harm. The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. titular Mandalorian jumps into the speeder and he's like, drive and points a gun at the robot, which, uh, I enjoyed it. uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a good, it works in this. I'm like, I like it. Um, and it also kind of, uh, it made me think I've been on an Asimov, Asimov kick lately and it made me think of the, um, second and third laws of robotics here in, in effect that you've got to obey the commands of uh, of uh, you know the given to you by a human and also you have to preserve your own existence um and so those uh, the the doing doing so uh on two two fronts there well temporarily uh the, the other thing i thought it was uh, great here's another uh, as, as he's uh, torching all the all the approaching ba- bounty hunters 
Um, here's another uh, running out of fuel bit to, for people yes. to get angry about. <laughs> but I liked it. I love it too. But all the uh, the the haters used it twice. Time to refill. <laughs> uh, all the people for, who hated Last Jedi are like, we've never heard about fuel before in Star Wars, and then here here here's another running out of fuel bit. Let's make let's let's have everything have a bit where people run out of fuel. Let's just make it so common that uh, it's no longer a criti- we, valid criticism. Listen, Not that it was. Yeah, in it's the like. Place. We weren't. We we also in the original Star Wars weren't as culturally aware of finite resources. Did you know resources can be finite? It's something we didn't use. To, remember Mad Men when they had the picnic and they just threw all the trash on the park and walked away? Like it's exactly. It's 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 not like uh, you can't update the themes <laughs> with how we're smarter now than we were forty years ago. So it, yeah, that didn't bother me at all. I, I really liked it. Yeah, no, me too. And it, it, here it. it serves to you know anytime anybody's just kind of like indestructible you know warlord who can just walk through a crowd of people and you know kill them all without breaking a sweat it's like eh, it's not that not as exciting you know there, there'll be yeah. cool badass moments but it won't be as exciting without throwing some flaws and some oh how's he gonna get out well of this? and and it's supposed to be that he is he's gotten himself in a stupid situation it's it's not the second he jumps in that truck i think you're supposed to go Oh my god, he's going to lay down in a truck and fight these guys off. That is not a good <laughs> hiding spot. You know, it's obviously his only option. Right. I, I, I but you're I think supposed to go. That was a poor choice. You know, it's 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 out of it's out of his his uh his his new morality that they're hoping you've attuned yourself to. It's it, he's going to do some dumb stuff this whole sequence. Right. Which is he wastes cool. all his disintegration pellets or whatever. I mean, maybe he's got more, but like, that's <laughs> you, it freaks everyone out because you're supposed to save that stuff. Yeah, but it's, it's what makes it interesting in a good way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked. Um, so he, he oh he gets to his ship. Yes, and he meets uh, Carl Weathers. I just really quickly want to say I do like. Oh. Uh, the moment before the Mandalorian show up, baby Yo-Yo uh, looks at the Mandalorian, right? You think they're both going to die. And he goes, ooh, ah. <laughs> like, uh... as, if, as if everything's fine. And I feel like that's another uh, wink that maybe he can sense when something good is going to happen. I thought you meant like, like Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman. Ooh, ah. Yeah. Wrong show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so then they do. Well, first you get uh, the the cavalry showing up. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. As if, just when things look bleakest, um, here come like like cicadas <laughs> emerging from the ground. Yeah. Oh, Alex, you love this part so much. I don't know why you can't have a crush on beefy Vizsla like I do. <laughs> um. Yeah. This. Uh. This. All the stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's. I just. I'll say. I, I'll say. I love it, and I will let you guys go nuts. It's fine. That like I'm trying not to be curmudgeonly, and I know it's cool. That like you know, I know that me of a couple of years ago might have loved this. Maybe not a couple of years ago, but you know, like um, thirty years ago. Well, yeah, even yeah, like like teenage into twenties, like you know, like I think this would have been awesome um, on many levels. And but now I'm also just kind of a little bit like. I don't know. It rings as corny to me, or something. Maybe I'm jaded and old and dumb. I don't know. What, what do you think of the the cavalry flying over the horizon, Alex? Um, I uh, 
I wasn't crazy about it, aside from the, like, the, I already addressed the fact that I think it's weird that the Mandalorians just happen to live under this town and everything. Um, I guess I also don't feel like it really was, I don't know, not earned, but I don't know why they're coming to rescue him when before they were, he was fighting him. Like, why just suddenly did he be it like, the way. oh, you know, now we got to help yeah, well, that's well <laughs> because that lady sold him. They're he had not, to go fight. You had to go rescue. They're him. not evil. Um, you know they've got a moral code. I think they're trying to just like they're trying to just show that they're good guys, and you do have to take a leap. So I, I if you don't well, think they but, earned it, I get it. It's it's for me. It was like okay, so they figured out, you know, when those beeps went off, exactly what was happening that he, you know, had a morally ambiguous enemy that he he didn't want the association to be like something got communicated to the rest of the Mandalorians that this was happening and they, mm-hmm. they tied it to him being a foundling or protecting a child. And we're like, Oh yeah, we should have his back on this. And, and we've been stuck like sand rats underneath the ground hiding forever. And he's actually standing for something that may, that, that makes sense to us. Whereas we opposed him bringing his Imperial stolen Beskal to us. Now we, now we see why he did it. Let's go back up our guy, you know, so I, to save baby Yoda. Yeah. Well, they, well, no, they don't care as much about, I think they essentially see baby Yoda as a foundling and are like, okay, we get why he did it. Like they see it from his point of view. But yes. I think it's more about his point of view, though. I think it's about, all right, well, this is what our guy is doing, so we're going to stand behind him. Yeah. Yeah, and not so much. Like, they don't, I think if, if yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's more about kind of supporting their team than, I don't, I don't know, I think they necessarily got on board with the the specifics of the mission, but I think they're just kind of like, all right, well, he's our guy. I think it's a little of both. I don't. I think you're supposed to see that there's more than one angle, and that it's not like a Deus Ex Machina at least. But I think I, I think I see why you would think it's a Deus Ex Machina too. It's supposed. It's you know all sorts of moral ambiguity in this Star Wars, whereas Star Wars is not known for that. Right. You're you're in this show. You're you're forced to deal with as much, if not more, morally gray stuff than you did with Rouge One. So it's it's gonna mm-hmm. ring as odd. I'm not I'm not questioning the morality of it so much as just the logic of it as to why suddenly uh why suddenly they're suddenly uh why, why they like the Mandalorian all of a sudden after after disliking him because it's a code. The, this, there's something about their code that made what he did right, and you saw that they would they would get to fisticuffs over you know whether he deserved all of that besker and so now you're supposed to go okay well this is part of their code too protecting your own and all that right hmm. their infighting is less important than them fighting against the outside world right clearly the armorer is like their elder and so when she tried to get them to remember this is the way there there's something sort of imperative about that All right, right. So the and I, so I uh, it's it's a nitpicky point also, but I've the jetpacks do not look convincing to me. They <laughs> look like people hanging on on wires. So that's the only a it's minor a TV thing. budget. I, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. both a TV budget, and I think 
to an extent, they're really trying to find a middle ground between what looks good and how Boba Fett looked when he crashed into the skiff in Return of the Jedi when you actually <laughs> saw it. Like, you know, like it, it, they obviously that that was an that was the low point in Boba Fett's career. He did not look cool, but I think they physics wise are trying to be like, well, let's like let's make it look familiar and in canon. Right. Yeah. yeah. Although then, so the it's deliberate, you know, to an extent. It's, it doesn't mean that it couldn't have been better. I get what you're saying. They they come in, they save the day. Um, he he, the titular Mandalorian manages to escape, makes it to his ship. Grief. What do you think of his? Uh, what do you think of his line <laughs> when uh, Beefy Vizsla gives him the salute? Well, uh, from we'll his, get it, we'll get there. I just wanted oh. to yeah. There first he. <laughs> Cargo's on his ship, and he's he, which makes sense. You know, he kind of because he, he knows him. He's one step ahead. He gets out of the. You know, I I was uh, even though it was a little bit cliche, and I saw it coming. I was uh, pleased that Grief Cargo survived because I like having him around as a character. Sure, um, mm-hmm. that part I had no problem with. But uh, and also they already established that he kept his armor in his his pocket right, right there. Right. You know, they kind of set that up. Um, but then he takes off and then the, speaking of cliche, like this is the part where he's flying away and, and, uh, uh, Chad Vizsla is, is flying up next to him. And I, I had enough time to think to myself, oh, he better not freaking salute him right here. And then he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, and it, it just, that was something almost, like I was almost angry. And if it wasn't the very end of the episode, like I'm glad that was at the very end. So like if that had happened earlier, I, w- I might have not obviously not turned off the episode, but it would have f- soured my my appreciation of the whole episode. I hated that so much. Um, but I was OK with his line <laughs> of of I got to get me one of those or whatever. Like that is dumb, but enjoyable, dumb. But the saluting thing is just like it's so out. It did remind me of Iron Man and not in a good way. <laughs> I just want I just want to say next time I see you and I understand if you never book me for a live show again I will salute you and I want you to know that's why I'm saluting you. Right. You're giving me a, a Steve Vizsla salute. Um it's Chad Vizsla. <laughs> what 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 was it? I lost it. Oh Paz, Paz Vizsla. There you go. Paz. <laughs> uh I so I want to call attention to um <clears throat> my last thing which is that um uh, grief says he says why should i trust you and, he, and grief says i'm your only oh, hope yeah. and yep. uh it made me wonder if now in, it's already been established that the star wars are he, the gang is famous in the star wars universe right like the, the legends of luke yep. skywalker and han solo or whatever so is grief is it a diagen is it a diagenic quote that nope. is grief quoting princess Leia? no no, I don't think so. It's just that it's a mess. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's deliberate. I mean, maybe it's subconscious, like he, <laughs> he's seen a TV show reenacting it and that's a line that got out, but I don't think people have actually like watched the Princess Leia hologram and like he's trying to be cool like on TV. Yeah. Alternately, there is some other third source of the quote that both Princess Leia and Grief are referencing. <laughs> that would be funny. That there, it's like on a popular like sitcom of the time. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, well, some, it's like the ga- a game show. Somebody's catching <laughs> It's like you're my only Space hope. Press your luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Space Charles Nelson Riley was known to say it on Hollywood Squares. <laughs> um, That's all I got. Yeah, we got to the end, and it, it, the, the end was kind of a clunk for me. But overall, like, still, still enjoying the show. Still Loved excited it. to watch the next one, and uh, I'm Loved happy, it. happy that most of the most of the people that I've seen so far loved this one. Good, good, good for them. I can't wait for Over on the uh, Gina Carano. I I think Disney Plus is getting a little weird with its thirsty go watch Empire Strikes Back during the credits nonsense, but uh, I'm super into it. Why do they say specifically Empire, Wait, I wonder? You're Wait. getting that too, right? We're all getting Empire? Yeah. Well, I think I've, it's because that's Boba yeah. Fett's first ex- uh, appearance What are you that they have access to anyway. I'm not seeing what you guys are seeing. What is this? Oh, so like if you watch the credits to the end, as soon as they get to the like end of the cool music and concept art and they start going into the just sort of more like uh, the the voice cast for other countries, it just it just blips out and it's like you should watch Empire Strikes Back now. And it's like a giant image of Darth Vader. Okay, it's the kind of thing where it says like if, unless you press no, Empire Strikes Back will start they're, in fifteen. They're seconds. copying Netflix, <laughs> and I I get why they would yeah. do that marketing wise, but it, it, that to me is ultra cynical. I'm like, whoa, boy, get off my get off my jock. I don't need this right now. <laughs> do you know how much I would have loved a uh, uh, basically like a if you unless you press no we're gonna play empire strikes back for you like all throughout my life like that's the kind of service that i would have paid for mm, yeah and like, now, you, like, now I, you have it and it's uh it's thirsty yeah i was over on the imdb and uh this is so far is the highest rated episode of the three it's it got like a 9.6 that doesn't surprise me when i was talking to uh you know um brian Posehn got to see the first three episodes last week he went to the premiere with his son and um oh right they they they, they screened all three of them and he told me this one was huge uh and he and i are on the same page about this one being amazing so um i'm not surprised yeah but how uh how long ago did you know that he was in the first episode um i think i can say this i've known for a few months i knew when he went to go shoot it okay so uh, that would have been like late last year. All right, just wondering. Are you? Uh, can you get? Can you get you a cameo? <laughs> God, I wish. I don't think <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Brian's not big on the. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> pull an MC Hammer and make sure I pay like seventy people for my personal life to follow me around mm. on my celebrity. But uh, <laughs> you know, I I, th- I think um, I think uh, I think it was. Uh, it was cool to know it was coming up, but he was good about not giving me spoilers. I told him no spoilers, and he wanted to, obviously, but right, mm-hmm. he was good. Nice. Well, well, all right. I guess that'll wrap up uh, chapter three. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad uh, you you had me on, even though we had opposite feelings on it. Uh, it was that's that's all so, the better reason yeah. to have you on. Get more diverse opinions. But. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, how can people uh, how can people find out more about you? Well, you know, I write for D and D Beyond. I'd love if uh, Dungeons and Dragons fans check me out there. But I think, regardless if you like D and D or not, um, the other D and D thing I do is easily consumable as just comedy. Uh, I'm on that podcast with Brian Posehn and my other comedy friends, um, who are all extremely funny, and uh, I write a very elaborate narrative for the campaign there. We're actually uh, we have a, we have a Patreon also as you know, um, 
And we have bonus episodes there with special guests, and uh, we play different games. And for December, we uh, I think December and January, we're even going to spread it out. We're going to play a version of it's like a it's like a unofficial. We found it on the internet. Dungeons and Dragons rule set for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm usually the dungeon master, but Chris Tallman, very funny uh, writer and com- uh, comedy actor, is going to be the dungeon master for that one. And uh, I will be playing an assassin droid on there. Uh, I'm very excited. Nice. Well, so Nerd Poker. Make sure you. Uh... Like I said at the beginning of the episode, that's our website, nerdpokerpod.com. And uh, I would love if people checked out. I, I feel like I plug it every time I'm on. So hopefully everybody from the other podcast feed will recognize that plug. And I do stand up all over. I would love if you came. All right. And um, we also, Pete and I do a podcast called Star Wars Minute, Wars which Minute. is uh, five days a week. We're currently uh, tackling Rogue One early days. So go to StarWarsMinute.com or find out uh, find oh. us wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And it pains me to yes. say this. I know we should wrap it up. Maybe we make it quick. I know you're going to give it a low number, but you've been rating it on one to ten. You should do that for your listeners. What's this episode? One to ten. Oh, right. Or one to eleven or... <laughs> Um, I think I didn't like it as much as last week, but I don't remember what I gave last week's show. You gave last so, week a seven. Uh, I gave last week a seven? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess in this week, in retrospect, I would give that one an eight and I would give this one a seven, but I guess I'll have to give this one a six then. And I I think I did a six, a nine and then a ten. I think last week I did a ten. Uh-huh. But this one, was, you know, this one's going to be lower. I mean, I'll say seven. <laughs> Mm. All right. Because my scale is different than yours now. Yeah. I'll say a seven. There are things that I really enjoy it, but there are also things that... mm. But still anxious to watch the next one. Dan, what would you give it? You would give it a ten. Oh, I give all the episodes an eleven. That's right, suckers. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha ha. Rap air horn. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. It's not funny when someone else does Mm. it. See? All right. So, uh, well, thanks, uh, Dan, for uh, joining us here, Dan Telfer. And thank you, listeners, for uh, checking out our show, The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Mandalorian. It's the podcast brought to you by Star Wars Minute, where we go through the entire Mandalorian saga. Let me start over again. That was terrible. Can I start over again? Sure. Let me start over again. All right. Put that before the the opening sting. We'll see.